Well, let me um, just start and just be honest, uh, a little vulnerable with you guys, just about a question that I've been wrestling with recently um, that I've been thinking about a lot recently. And maybe you've also been wrestling with this question. Um, And it's just simply this, how do I follow Jesus even when life is hard? How do I follow Jesus even when life is hard? And the reason is for me, um, life has been hard in my circle recently. There's been moments of hardness for me, um, to be very honest, I I experienced just pain and suffering on on Friday night. I subjected myself to be a fan of the Louisville Cardinals basketball program again. (laughs) And I just know for a fact Chattanooga is gonna win the championship this year. So just look out for them. But in my circle, in, in, in realness, there has just been heaviness. And there's just been, just been hardness. And I, I even listened to that song and we're singing it. And I believe, I believe that song, that Christ is our King, that he is enthroned on high. And then we start with singing that we will wait for your justice. And I hold on to that and I think, yes, I, I will wanna wait for, for justice. But then I see injustice in the world and I think, okay, but how long is it gonna be? How do I follow Jesus when life is hard? I want to wait for mercy. I want to see revival in our city, in our state, in our country. And I just think, how long is it going to be? And and how do I follow Jesus when it's hard? Because life is hard. I paused this week and just wrote down a list of just the difficulties of life, at least in my circle, my small circle with my, um, either my friends or my family or one of the students um, that I get to be with in student ministry or maybe just someone in the life of the church that I know. And the list very quickly got expansive and heavy. Just listen to some of the things that people are going through. Um, There's someone who I know who is just dealing every day with the overwhelming fear of being a failure of being a fraud. And, and they don't know how to handle the, all, all the different aspects of life. How do I be a parent? How do I be um, a good worker? How do I be a great follower of Jesus? How do I take care of my body? How do I do this and this and this? All at the exact same time, it's hard. I've walked with people who hate their job and it's not bringing them life. It's actually slowly sucking the life out of them and, and they don't know what to do. And then they hear they're supposed to be um, a follower of Jesus in their job and it's, it's hard. I've walked with people who are losing their job. I've walked with people who, um, I've seen kids that are sick and they're going to the hospital. And I think, I can't even fathom that right now. Like that, that would just be a horrible experience to have to walk through. And then how do I follow Jesus well when life is hard in that way? I've seen physical pain that doesn't seem to have an end or an answer near. And they don't really know what to do because they're hurting, but there's not really a cure. They're just stuck. I work with students and so I talk about anxiety a lot. And there's just ravaging anxiety, uh, Here's some specifics of what the anxiety is about. School shootings, mass shootings, Israel, war, politics, hate the future. I've seen seasons of painful, unanswered questions and confusion. If, if I can be really vulnerable, that's me. Just to be honest, in May 2021, I started to pray this prayer to God. I just asked um, just for clarity, just for an answer on something. And it's November 2023 and I have an answer. And in fact, every day it feels like the answer is, is probably gonna be no. That's hard. I've seen self-harm. I've seen alcohol abuse. I've seen drug abuse. I've seen sexual abuse. I've seen divorce. I've seen the fear of a possible cancer diagnosis. I have seen the reality of multiple cancer diagnoses. I've seen the suicidal thoughts and how that can affect people in the world. And you can fill in your own blank here, but life is hard. 
And I wanna know how to follow Jesus well, even when life is hard, and maybe you do too. And it's, I don't think it's a shock to any of us. It shouldn't be at least that life is hard. John 16, it says this, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. There it is, Jesus promised it. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And here's what I wanna know. I wanna know how to take heart in a world that promises me trouble. I wanna know how to follow Jesus even when life is hard. And if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, I bet you're either asking the same question or you have before. And that's why this week, um, our Quest 52 question has hit me a little bit differently. Um, if you've not been with us, we've been going through this year-long journey uh, as we just asked 52 questions to know about who Jesus is and what Jesus does and, and how we can get to know him better. And, and specifically this week, our question is this. It's the same question we're asking, just in a different way. It's how do I learn grit from how Jesus suffered? It's the same question as how do I follow Jesus when life is hard, but it's just phrased as how do I learn grit from how Jesus suffered. And if you don't know what grit means, that's okay. I, I texted my wife this week and I said, we're talking about this topic th this week in grit. And her response was super deep and theological. She just said, grit, question mark? Love it, all right? Maybe you've heard of the phrase, the gritty, not the same thing. If you don't know what the gritty is, just ask any middle schooler you see and they will go like this immediately. <laughs> I asked my team, my student ministry team, I said, hey, can you describe grit for me in like a sentence or two? And one of, one of my team members said, it's like that mashed potato oatmeal stuff, right? <laughs> Grits. And to be fair, they were kidding. I, I really hope they were kidding. <laughs> no, grit is something deeper. Grit is something much deeper, and it's, gonna, it's what we're going to learn today. Um, it's kind of been a psychology buzzword since 2016. This woman named Angela Duckworth, she started to do this research, and, and she started to look at what makes people successful. What like, indicates success in a certain situation? And so she started to follow all of these different people. She, was, she went to West Point Academy, looked at cadets there, and said, who are the, the cadets that are going to finish uh, the military academy? She went to teachers, young teachers in tough neighborhoods, and said, who are the young teachers that are gonna finish well this school year? Who are gonna finish out? She looked at, this is my favorite one, I think. Um, she went to the National Script Spelling Bee and looked at contestants there and said, who is gonna be the best speller? Who's gonna go the furthest? And she found in her research that grit was one of, if not the defining factor that indicated success. And how she defines it, I think it's pretty important that we look at her definition. She defines it as passion and perseverance towards a long-term goal. And then she has all these words that make it up. She says it's characterized, defined by, by courage, by endurance, by perseverance, by resiliency. If you look up in the dictionary what grit is, you might see mashed potato oatmeal stuff. But you'll also see, it says courage with resolve. Or it's a strength of character. And so for our purposes today... If we're trying to figure out how do we follow Jesus, even when life is hard, grit means it's the passion and perseverance to follow Jesus, even when life is hard. The passion, the desire, and the perseverance to follow Jesus, even when it's hard. And I don't know about you, but I want some of those words to describe my walk with Jesus. And I don't know if you've seen um, just the world recently in 2023, but it is not always the best out there for Christians. Anybody else seen that? And I, I wanna walk a life 
of following Jesus that is marked by resiliency, that when I get knocked down by the world, I can get back up and dust myself off and keep going because I'm resilient. I'm a resilient follower of Jesus. I wanna have endurance. Paul talks about this. He says that the road, there's a race that we have to run. It's a long race. And I wanna have the endurance to run that race even when the road looks tough and scary. I wanna be a follower of Jesus that's defined by courage. And I do the bold thing, even when it's not the thing that the world wants me to do or what wants me to say, but I'm bold and I'm courageous because that's what Jesus wants me to do. I wanna have mental toughness that I can stand strong when ideologies and lies are thrown at me and I know what's real and I know what's not real and I can, I can stand firm. That, that's what I want. We need grit. And with the current political and social and physical and economic and spiritual and mental landscape of the world, I think we need this grit. We need this passion and perseverance to follow Jesus even when it is hard. But the question today isn't just asking what is grit. It's asking how do we learn grit from how Jesus suffered. And that's gonna take us to Mark 14. I'm gonna invite you uh, right now to, to open your Bibles. I'm a big proponent of reading the Bible together. And so if you have the physical Bible, Mark 14, verse 32, is where we're gonna go. You can just go to the Gospels. Um, if you have your digital Bible, just keep clicking buttons until you get there. And just a friendly reminder, I know the Colts are playing, but the book of Mark is not on the ESPN app. All right, just a friendly reminder of where, where it is not found. Mark 14, verse 32. Here's what the word says. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with them and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And let me just pause for a second because if we're learning about how Jesus suffered, here is where the suffering begins. Um, if you don't know what's going on in this, Jesus is, is, is heading slowly but surely to the cross. And we're going to find that after this encounter, he's going to get arrested and it's going to lead to this series of events that's going to lead to him being crucified. And so his suffering is starting now. And he takes his disciples to this place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane is an interesting word. Um, the garden of Gethsemane. That word means olive press. And if you don't know how olives are made, you've not visited your local olive garden recently, how they would do this, they'd put olives into this press and then they would, I mean, it's a pretty accurate description. They would press them, they would crush them and then they would create oil from what came out. And there's other things that happen, but really it's this idea of, of crushing. And the imagery and the, the metaphor is very thick here because Jesus is being crushed spiritually in the garden of crushing. And he has this intense suffering and pain that he's going through. I don't know if you know this, but the Gospel of Luke was written by Luke. And Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And when he describes this scene, he talks about the physical aspect of Jesus. This, this is crazy to me. It says that he's experiencing such suffering, such deep distress, that sweat like drops of blood poured off of his head. And scholars are, are kind of split on this. They think it's one of two things. Either number one, um, he is just experiencing such a physical toll of this suffering that it is, it's causing him to sweat so much it is dripping off his head like he had been cut open. Or he's experiencing a medical phenomenon called hemotidrosis where the blood vessels in his forehead are busting because of the stress that he is experiencing and he is actually sweating blood. And either way, we get a picture into just how heavy this moment is for Jesus. 
And we're gonna learn a lot. And if you've ever felt just the heaviness like that before, this is your chance to look at how Jesus suffered and learn the passion and perseverance it's gonna take to follow him even when it's hard. We look, and it goes on to verse 34, and he says this phrase, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. And we just need to pause for just a second. Because our question today is this, how do we learn grit from how Jesus suffered? And if we're gonna talk about learning grit, we have to ask the question of how did Jesus suffer? And we just learned it right there. And maybe you didn't notice it, but here's, I'm gonna sum it up for you. Jesus, how he suffered is he embraces and responds faithfully to the suffering in his life. He embraces and then responds faithfully to the suffering and in his life. And here's how I'm gonna say it if you need a little more theological depth today, okay? He acknowledges and realizes the theological reality of suffering in his life, but it doesn't hinder or shake his faith. He embraces it and then he responds faithfully. And what he's doing, and I'm gonna ask you to stick with me through this because this is gonna get a little deeper, but it's important that we get it. He is managing this tension he is holding this duality in his hands. On the one side, he is saying, man, I'm experiencing the reality of suffering in my life. And he's holding on to that. But on this side, he's holding on to the fact, the reality that God is in his suffering as well. And do you see this tension? There is a reality of suffering in his life, but there's a reality of God in his suffering. And he can hold on to both and both are true and he's okay. And you look at how he says this, verse 34, he says, I am, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. One commentary I read this week said that he is experiencing such grief that it would maybe kill the common man. He's experiencing such a physical toll on his body because of the sorrow he's feeling. It, it could actually kill a man. And what's he do? He takes his three best friends, James, John, and Peter. And he walks with them and he's honest with them. He doesn't take those three guys and say like, okay, now that we're away, you guys ready to get out of here? You guys ready? We're going up and my dad called me back. We're out of here. Like, you got the keys to the car? Let's go. He doesn't say that. He doesn't avoid it. He doesn't ignore it. He embraces it. He's honest. Can I just ask you something that doesn't have to do with anything else we're going to talk about today? When was the last time you were suffering, you were in pain, you were experiencing the hardness of life and someone asked you how you were and you were actually honest with them. When was the last time that you embraced your suffering with, with people who you trust and you can walk with and you said, I am hurting right now and I don't even know if you can do anything about it, but I have to be honest with you. Galatians 6, 2 says that we are to carry each other's burdens and church, let me be honest, we cannot carry each other's burdens unless we share each other's burdens. We have to be honest, and Jesus embraces his suffering. But he doesn't just do that and then do nothing. It says he responds faithfully. And if you read the text, it says that he went a little further, and he fell to the ground, and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. And this is important. The fact that he prayed is great. But how he prayed and what he prayed is really, really key to learning grit and to learning how he suffered. He starts with this. He says, Abba, Father, maybe you know what that, that term means, Abba. Um, roughly, 
translated, it, it, would, it would equate to, it, from Greek to now, it would equate to meaning dancing queen. I'm just joking, just seeing, <laughs> seeing who's awake in the room, yeah. Some of you guys were like, dancing queen, got that. It's much more beautiful. It, it's the child term for a father. And he is saying, dad. Really, he'd be saying, maybe this makes you feel uncomfortable, but I think it's important that we look at the real meaning of it. He's saying, daddy. He's saying, dad, father. And what he is doing is even in this time of hurting and of pain, he still knows that God is close. And he doesn't address him as some distant deity. He addresses him as a close father. And he speaks to him that way. Um, I'm super blessed that I have two parents who love the Lord and they modeled how to love the Lord well my whole life and they still do it to this day. And I can remember a time, I don't even remember what my mom was praying for. But my mom said this prayer um, and she finished. And, and usually when we finish a prayer in the Christian faith, we, we say this word at the end, amen. And it's just this word that means so be it or may it be so. It's a beautiful word, I love that word. But my mom didn't say amen on this day. She finished this prayer and she just says, okay, bye. And that was it. <laughs> and she grew up in the house, or I guess she lived in a house at that time. Um, I have two brothers and my dad, so she's surrounded by boys. And we just made fun of her relentlessly, all right? We were just like, oh, you're just talking to God like that, huh? And now I think back at it, I'm like, man, I, she talked to God like a friend. Like she, she didn't talk about like God like, dear Lord. Like she's writing a letter. She just talked to God like she would talk to one of us. Moses in the Old Testament said he would go into the tent of meeting and speak to the Lord as a friend. And that's different than sometimes how I pray, but that's how I wanna pray. It is an acknowledgement of how God is close to us even when things seem hard. Abba Father, and he goes on, he says this, everything is possible for you. This is a statement of faith and of power. He is saying, God, you are still in control. I am not gonna doubt how big you are, even though things are hard for me right now. You are still here. Everything is possible for you. And Jesus holds this duality, church, that there is a reality of suffering in his life, but that God is in his suffering with him. Yes, he's hurting, but God still got this. And I can remember um, I was in high school and we had just talked about something like this. And I was in um, a class called pre-cal, and you just gotta know this about me, I'm just bad at math, just horrible at math. And so on this particular day in pre-cal, I did zero studying and there was a test that day. And I remember talking about like, man, God's got this, like God's in control of the providence of God. And so I, um, as, as the scantrons are being passed out, I prayed to the Lord. And I said, God, Abba, <laughs> I was like, Lord, you've got this. You are big, you are in control, you are good. Help me to pass this test. You can do it, God, you have the wisdom, I have none. Literally, you can do this. And I took the test and I got 100%. That's not true. <laughs> Pretty sure I got a 47. You know what the worst, you know the worst part about this story? My pre-cal teacher is in this room, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Haley. Um, and I got the test back and I, I bombed that thing. It was bad. And I remember being upset. And I remember being like, this is ridiculous. And I was actually mad. Now here's the beautiful thing of that. I got a D minus in that class and I passed and I graduated. So God does got this. But 
Sometimes that silly analogy can seep into our real lives. And we believe that the presence of suffering equals the absence of God. And we will walk around our lives and we will say, man, as soon as something bad happens, I, I just believe that God's gone. Or where is God? Or what are you doing right now? And we forget to believe that there is a duality, that God can exist, but so can suffering in our lives. And that's okay. And we have to be able to accept that. There's a reality. Suffering is real. But God is near and he is in control. And both of those are true. And Jesus embraces and responds faithfully to his suffering. That's how he suffered. But the question isn't just what is grit or how did Jesus suffer? It's how can we learn grit from how he suffered? And that's going to take us to Mark 14, verse 36. If you are a circular, circular highlighter, or an underliner, this is an all skate, every single one of those right here, Mark 14, 36. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. I'm gonna read that one more time. And I'm gonna read a little bit slower. I just want us just to, to, to soak this in for a second and think about the reality of what Jesus is facing. He is in the middle of the garden. He is being crushed. He is maybe sweating blood. He knows what's coming. He is experiencing some of the biggest grief and pain and sorrow of his life. And look at the words he says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. And Jesus chooses to submit in his suffering. He makes this reference there that maybe you don't know what it means. He says, take this cup from me. It's an Old Testament reference to the cup of wrath or the cup of suffering. And what he's saying to God in that moment, he's, he's, he's presenting a request He's saying, God, if there is a way that we can, we can do this, we can bring salvation to all mankind that doesn't involve me going to the cross and dying, let's do that. If there is a way that we, we can do this, we can justify the human race that doesn't involve me taking on the sin and the shame of the world and experiencing separation from you for the first time ever, let's do that way. Yet, not what I will but what you will. And here's the amazing thing about Jesus. He presents this request, and maybe this is your prayer life too. I'm super good about this. I'm so good about praying and telling God, oh God, you're near, I believe that. God, you're in control, I believe that. God, here's what I want you to do, please do that, amen. Okay, bye. That's what, I'm really good at that. You know what I'm not great at? Saying at the end of it, but God, if you don't, what you will, not what I will. See, Jesus, it's more important for him to submit to the will of God than it is for God to submit to his request. He cares more about doing what God wants him to do than for God to do what he has asked him to do in that moment. That's submission. That word literally means to surrender your will your desire to a higher authority. And Jesus is surrendering his will and his way and his desire and his preferred path to God's will and God's way and God's path because he had 
passion and perseverance to follow God no matter what. And if we want to learn grit, it's as simple as just learning to submit. And I know that rhymes, I don't love that, but we just have to accept how important that is. If we want to learn this passion and perseverance to follow Jesus no matter what, you want to know how to do it? Learn to submit. Learn to submit to his will at any single moment. Learn to submit to his will in the good times and the hard times. When it's really easy and when it's really difficult. Learn to submit to his will in the calm and in the chaos. Learn to submit to his will in the normal. On the Tuesday, when you're at work and it's 11 a.m. and you're walking to get a coffee and all of a sudden you feel like you're supposed to do something, submit to his will. But then submit to his will in the unexpected as well. Submit in the small things of life, but it's submit in the big things. Submit in your public life when everyone has a chance to see you and everyone can look at what you're doing, but submit in your private life when no one is gonna see what you did except the Father. Learning grit is learning to submit no matter what. See, if you don't know how the story ends, Jesus gets arrested right after this. He goes and prays that same prayer three times. And then he gets arrested and he gets taken to a trial and he's tried illegally. And he gets beaten, he gets whipped, he gets shamed, he gets humiliated. He gets forced to carry up his cross to this place called Calvary. He can't even do it physically. It's, it's too much on his, his, on his, the physical toll is taking too much on him. So he has to have someone else do it. And he gets up there and experiences the crucifixion. If you don't know much about Roman crucifixion, it was a horrible ordeal, horrible. And there was pain and there was just miserable experience. And not only that, it was a miserable, painful experience, but in the Jewish culture, it was a shameful experience. He would have been cursed in the minds of Jewish people. And he experiences this horrible, horrible suffering. And he suffered. You know why? Because he submitted to God. But he saved us. You know why? Because he submitted to God. And learning grit is learning to submit, to surrender. David Guzik, he's a pastor. He has a quote. I think it's so important. I'm going to read it to you. You can read it on the screen as well. It says, Jesus came to the point of decision in Gethsemane. It wasn't that he had not decided nor consented before, but now he came upon a unique point of decision. He drank the cup at Calvary, that cup of suffering, that cup of wrath we just talked about. But he decided once and for all to drink it at Gethsemane. The struggle of the cross was won at the Garden of Gethsemane. That last line one more time. The struggle of the cross was won in the garden. See, the struggle of the cross was won when Jesus embraced his suffering, responded faithfully, and then chose to submit. Learning grit is learning to submit. The question for us today, Northside, is will we choose to submit? We can talk about it all we want to, but until we put it into action, it's not gonna do anything. We can talk about the theology of submission and what surrendering looks like and how we can do it better and how we can do this, 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 but until we put it into action, it's not going to change. Will you choose to surrender your will to his no matter what his will ask you to do? 
Maybe there's something in this room right now, you know you're supposed to surrender. You know you're supposed to give it up. You know you're supposed to submit and you've been holding on and holding on and holding on. Now's the time to surrender, to submit. Will you choose to submit so that our church is known in our community? Not for the size of our building, but by the perseverance of our congregation and how we keep going and we keep loving and we keep following Jesus no matter what. Will you submit so that our church is not known for an attendance number, but for the passion we have to follow Jesus? For the way that we say no matter what, no matter what it looks like, big, small, in between, boring, mundane, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna follow him. Will you submit so that you can follow Jesus even when it's hard? And life is hard. I want us to practice that this morning together. And we're gonna have an extended time of communion here. And I'm gonna walk us through it. And if you don't know um, what communion is, first, first Corinthians talks about it, Paul talks about, it. he says that we are to remember the death of Jesus, but then proclaim it until the day that he comes back. And so there's, there's two aspects of this. There's, there's a remembrance and then there's a response. And so right now, what I want you to do is just get the elements ready. We're gonna start with the bread, if you wanna get your bread ready. And in a second, I'm gonna release you just to have an extended moment. But as you take the bread today, I want you to pause and have this remembrance and I want you to embrace the reality of the cross. I want us to pause and think about what does it mean for me now, the fact that Jesus came to earth and died for me so I can live forever, so I can have an option to follow and love him. So I can be free of these things that are holding me down. Jesus died for me. And maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you're uncomfortable in this moment. Here's what I'm gonna ask for permission. I'm just gonna ask you to, to lean into the uncomfortableness for a few minutes to embrace the reality of the cross. I think it's worth it. So take an extended moment, be still, be quiet, and think and embrace the reality of the cross. Go ahead and do that now. The second aspect of communion is responding. So as you finish taking the bread and you finish remembering and you prepare to take the juice, which represents his blood spilled for us, um, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna respond exactly what we just talked about by starting to submit. And if you, you know exactly what you're supposed to submit, you know exactly what you're supposed to do, this time is for you. But maybe you've never done this before and you don't know where to start. Here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. It's a simple question 
you're gonna ask and then you're just gonna be quiet and just listen. You're gonna ask, what do I need to surrender to you, Lord? What do I need to surrender to you? And then you're just gonna listen. And I would encourage you to start listening here, but to continue listening all day and all week to see what he says. You can take this extended time to respond now. Lord, we are thankful for how you suffered for us. Lord, thank you for embracing it. Thank you for responding faithfully. Thank you for submitting that led to the cross because Lord, you saved us. We pray in our lives, God, for grit, for a passion and perseverance to follow you no matter what. And God, give it to us through submission. Help us to learn it in that way. God, we ask for boldness, for perseverance, for endurance, for courage, for resiliency, Lord. But not for ourselves, but for you. We love you. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you wanna start embracing your suffering today, feel free to stay where you're seated. Someone will come pray for you, but I encourage everyone else. Our missions fair is in the lobby. Go check it out. We got a lot of great mission partners out there. We'll see you next weekend.